Hello and welcome to Trade Tips from the World Bank Group. I'm Sarah Trino. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the big questions in trade and explore the solutions. In this episode, how technology can transform global trade. Without efficient supply chains, the businesses in Africa who want to export will not be able to compete globally. They can't even compete within their own region. We have this called this Vanuatu Electronic Single Window System. We're the first in the Pacific. It's working brilliantly. It makes the trade faster, cheaper, easier, but also more transparent and predictable. We'll be exploring digitization across the world from Vanuatu to Ghana and getting the expert view from the World Bank in Washington, D.C. All that and more coming up on the podcast. Trade tips. Trade tips. Trade tips. I've got all these really nice fruit trees here now, and they've all started. You know, my Tahitian limes are, are, are fruiting, my guavas are fruiting, wild raspberries. We're joining know, sort of Jonathan Nalper, who's having a morning coffee in his lush green garden next to his plantation in the hills near the Pacific Island nation of Vanuatu's capital, Port Villa. Mum and Dad were the first interracial marriage. He's explaining how his parents, an English woman and a knee Vanuatu man, met. Dad was the co-chair of our constitutional drafting committee, so he's recognised as one of the one of the founding fathers of this nation. Mum was an educator, and she's a bit of a national treasure. He's 83, still driving around, mad old English woman. John grows sandalwood, turmeric, and exports kava. Kava's a traditional crop. So in Vanuatu, we cultivated very heavy, heady carvers because there was lots of fighting, lots of uh, tribal warfare, and the only way to sort it out was to slow yourself down on carver and talk quietly over a problem. It's been used to commemorate births, to, to remember the dead, uh, to seal arrangements. So people started commercialising it and they would just peel it crush it, squeeze all the, 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 the juice out. You know, you'd add a little bit of water to dilute it because otherwise you'd be on your back. And then you'd sieve it to clean it. And it's drunk from bowls, which in Vanuatu are called shells. We start at four o'clock in the morning. I'll shoot through till half three, four. When I've done my 12 hours, I'll have a hot shower. I'll sit down and I'll have a big shell and it'll be just like, wow. And I'm completely relaxed. John says that there's been an explosion of popularity. The market's growing like crazy. I mean, in America, where I export to, and to Australia now that they've got a trial um, export period going, I'm working on microbial certification. You know, you want to know there's no microbial issues. You want to know the size of the powder. You know, you want to know the moisture content. Because I can tell you I'm giving you champagne, but I'll give you beer and no one will know the better. For Vanuatu to grow this product, we've got to brand it properly and we've got to accept that we have responsibility to deliver a genuine product. I plant in GPS-located plots. We have a software program for, for what we're planting. I'm number two in Australia at the moment. The government's picked up on it and they're doing it slowly now and I've got a good Minister of Agriculture. He, he's, he's, he's an agronomist, so he, he understands. And uh, it's, it's a matter to use a government lab for nobility testing and that's it. So what I do is I send my product overseas, get it retested in an independent laboratory overseas. One way life as an exporter 
has got easier is access to a system called electronic single window. John explains. We have this called this Vanuatu electronic single window system. We're the first in the Pacific. It's working brilliantly. It's basically locking everything in and, 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 and coordinating relationships between various departments, the customs department, the biosecurity department, and, and the uh, VNBS, uh, Vanuatu National Bureau of Standards. And so we, we will apply on this electronic single window John and I got cut off there, but he's back. Sorry, mate. What will happen is um, these people will give you a number. You then have to pay for the phytosanitary certificate. They will then test your carver, and you have to have your carver ready. And then once they approve it, once VNBS approve it, then biosecurity can approve it, then customs can approve it, then it goes green lane, then you're freed up to export it. Exporting is now faster, easier. There isn't the paperwork. You don't have to go from office to office to get your to get your export certified. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and you can you can you can you know you can grow it and add things to it. I'm adding product specifications to it, and it helps the government to understand what's being exported. Is the resource being utilised properly? But it's good. For John and others like him, it's a tough business. But digitised systems have improved his exporting experience and he's committed to both Carver and to Vanuatu. So, but Carver's going to save us, don't you worry. Funny place this, magical place this. Let's now go to Ghana and hear how one entrepreneur is taking on inefficiencies in trade and developing technology solutions. This is the sound of Tema, a bustling port near Ghana's capital, Accra. It's here that Misha Adi has her HQ. Misha's a busy person. <laughs> Unusually busy, but uh, it's uh, good. It's good to be busy. I managed to catch up with her while she was in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm co-founder and CEO of Jetstream Africa. I asked Misha to explain a little bit about why she set up her business. Jetstream was founded in the port city of Tema, about 40 minutes away from the capital of Accra in Ghana. One of the largest container ports in all of West Africa. Despite the presence of technologies that could have been applied to the logistics industry, there was almost no technology applied to the logistics industry in Ghana when we started. So everything was being done in cash and on paper. So the flow of money was mostly manual and the flow of information and of customs compliance was also mostly manual. And what role did COVID play here? Tell me about that. COVID definitely accelerated uh, the future of digitization in logistics in Africa. There were lockdowns during the COVID period, which made it difficult for people to move around, including at the ports. There was a quota on how many people could be inside a room with a customs officer at the same time. And that made the old-fashioned manual methods of clearing and moving cargo really inefficient. So for Jetstream, we took that opportunity to accelerate our own digitization plans. And we took some big risks in terms of building technology that we believed old-fashioned logistics services providers like freight forwarders and customs brokers, we believed they would use this technology, but we had no proof because they hadn't done it before. And that someone had to take the risk of, of building technology for these markets 
even though it hadn't worked successfully before. You talk about various issues at ports which inspired you to set up Jetstream. Explain a little bit more about the issues with trade across borders, um, particularly in Africa. Yes, so the cross-border trade process, I think it's important first to distinguish it from a domestic trade process. So if you're ordering um, a delivery on Amazon.com or the equivalent here in Africa, Jumia.com, that domestic trade is going to involve three or four vendors, three or four parties, um, including you, your seller, the courier, and the platform where you buy your your goods on. In the cross-border process, there are a minimum of 11 parties, including the importer and the exporter. We've done some analysis to calculate the number of hours of financing, insuring, completing paperwork, transporting, waiting involved in a cross-border trade, and the total number of hours spent by those 11 parties is about 800, 800 hours for a single cross-border trade. And the problem with African supply chains is that even though incomes are lower here, even though that profit margins in many cases are lower here, our supply chains are the most expensive in the world and they tie up working capital for longer. They're the slowest supply chains in the world. So everyday African families, consumers are effectively paying a tax on the goods that they consume. And that tax is driven by the inefficiency of our supply chains. And just how does Jetstream tackle this? So we basically take over the entire supply chain on behalf of our customers. So we are basically a all-in service provider, a one-stop shop for our uh, customers' cross-border supply chains. So the 800 hours of cross-border trade activities, all of those workflows involve passing documents from one vendor to another vendor, et cetera. It's an extremely inefficient and mostly manual process. And the technology platform that we've developed, in addition to speeding up transactions involving money, it speeds up transactions involving information. So we have a standardized form that is the same for any shipment. It requires the same fields for every shipment. It reduces the manual errors involved in creating customs documentation and just speeds up the process of recreating shipments trade after trade. Jetstream is scaling up the business and expanding in West Africa. Um, What's next? We expect to be in almost all of the major ports on the continent by 2024. Give me a sense of how important more efficient trade is for the continent. Many of the governments in Africa are looking to the export industry, but without efficient supply chains, the businesses in Africa who want to export that are trying to industrialize will not be able to compete globally. They can't even compete within their own region. So we've heard from a small exporter on a tiny Pacific island who has seen improvements to the way he does business thanks to technology. And from a business with big plans for modernising African trade with its digital platform. But how much of an impact does digitization have? My name is Alina Antoti. I've been with the uh, bank for over 18 years um, and worked uh, on trade uh, facilitation, border management, customs modernization projects uh, in over 70 countries for now. 
Alina, what's the benefit here? Why is it that digital platforms like the one we heard about in Vanuatu are adopted for trade? Uh, when you increase the availability of trade-related information and also enable the submission of various documents electronically through various platforms, such as we have a trade information portal, we also have electronic single windows. This can facilitate and reduce you know, the contact between traders and government officials. Uh, there is also some important research that actually uh, looks from the World Economic Forum, uh, World Bank and also Bain & Company, which looks at the adoption of electronic documentation, for instance, in the air cargo industry, which saves about 12 billion uh, annual savings uh, through reduced paperwork and uh, some uh, paperwork-related uh, delays. When you think about it, implementing a, a single window can have uh, enormous benefits for everyone involved, uh, governments, customs administrations, uh, traders, but also for the economy as a whole, because it makes the trade faster, cheaper, easier, but also more transparent and predictable. For, for traders, for instance, uh, you gave the example, uh, it delivers faster clearance times, uh, lower operational costs. Uh, it also provides more transparent and predictable processes and also less bureaucracy. Uh, for governments, for instance, uh, it, it increases um, the compliance with the various trade rules, and also it provides better statistics. It reduces human-to-human -human interaction and therefore it reduces corruption. And in terms of economies, what improvements can we see there? You know, economies with full-time automated processing systems for customs agencies, as well as any other electronic data uh, exchange platforms that are in place, they take significantly less time to move exported goods compared to the ones where uh, full automation is not implemented. So, and, and also in ports and, and customs, automation makes the exporting process more efficient, like in, a, in a, your example from the uh, Kava exporter. So customs automation at ports and borders, again, allows exporters to save time uh, when dealing with, with trade logistics. And around-the-clock automated processing systems, again, are a key factor to making that border compliance more efficient from the government perspective. For instance, uh, in, in Hong Kong also, their system estimated to bring improvements to the industry about, uh, of about um, $167 million. So what's, what's important here for us, it's really that you can't just go out on the market and buy a national single window. It's, it's not really seen as a plug-and-play activity, as an app that you can just get and install. So uh, we also see, by the way, in many countries where implementation that hasn't been um, very successful has actually slowed down the clearance process. So it's an investment. It takes time. It needs to be done properly. And when it isn't, the benefits aren't really there. But when it is, it's very much worth it. Is, is that right? That, that's right. And exactly as you said, you know, this is one of the measures under the WTO trade facilitation agreements that tends to take the longest to implement, but it's also the most resource intensive. Yet it has um, increased benefits and many countries are uh, committed um, together with uh, the World Bank who provides that support to implement um, national single windows and digitize their uh, trade processes and procedures. John, Misha, Alina, many thanks. It's been a fascinating look at how technology is improving trade. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Trade Tips from the World Bank Group. I'm Sarah Trino. We'll see you soon.